Hello everyone. Welcome back to See the Sunrise. This is season three and episode 13. Seeing the sunrise is about seeing Christ in everyday situations. It is in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33 and verse three, where the Lord speaks to the prophet while he's in prison. He says to him, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Seeing the sunrise is an opportunity to see what God is doing behind the scenes, but not only behind the scenes, but in the lives of everyday people like you and me. From the pulpit to the pew, we all have had various challenges and experiences that bring us to a need for Christ in our lives. Whenever I do these podcasts, I always want to present something that I think is meaningful. I may not know a lot of noteworthy people or uh, people that you that many people would love to listen to, but I think the message of God is so profound and that many and anyone could speak those messages, and if you have a heart for God, you'll hear them. And so while I haven't uh, done a podcast in a week or so, this week I decided, well, actually I didn't decide, I asked God, what should I speak about? And basically he put a message in my heart and actually it made me look at some things and it was about motivation. Have you ever desired to make a change, to do something, something that'll make you better? Maybe it's a new job or to get in shape. Maybe it's to pursue a dream. Thinking about it won't get it done. What you need is action or more bluntly put, we need motivation. We can say all day long what we're going to do, but if you don't put a plan in place, I'm pretty comfortable with saying that it will probably not happen. Christians are often quoting, and I hear it so many times, Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I listen to this scripture when people quote it all the time because it's almost like we're sitting at the end of the rainbow waiting for God to fill that pot of gold so we can go off and prosper and live a peaceful life. But that really isn't what it means because it talks about in the meantime, if you read before that, you'll hear there's some ominous um, message. There's an ominous message there. But in the end, God is telling us he has plans for us. God does have a plan, but it's going to take some effort on your part if you really want to see it through. I call it motivation. When I look at the word of God, I find many people that God had plans for. But if you really take a moment and look at it, you will find that they had to do something to see it come to pass. Motivation, where does it come from? Some would say that it comes from a desire to please others, or maybe it's a desire to rise above your circumstance. And still others might say that it came from seeing others able to achieve great things, and maybe it was others that are motivated by material things. Yet, I find that some people are often motivated by negative situations. I've done that, being told what they can't do so they are motivated to prove them wrong. I've done that on many occasions. When someone tells me I can't, something in me rises up and says, oh, I'll prove you wrong. I bet I can. But there is something else. 
I, I needed to know how godly people are motivated. You see, before Christ, yes, I was motivated by negative things that even now I can be. But since God is my, my purpose, my center, I needed to understand how godly people are motivated. So I had to search the Bible for people, ordinary people who achieved great things to determine how they were driven to perform such great feats and great initiatives and accomplish so much. And what I found was this, they weren't motivated to be recognized. They were motivated by their encounters and their knowledge of God. You got to hear that. I'm going to say it again. When I looked through the Bible to see how people of God were motivated, it wasn't, they, they, they may have performed great feats and had great initiatives that they accomplished. But what I found was they were motivated. They weren't motivated to be recognized. They were motivated by their encounter and, or their knowledge of God. So I wanted to know and understand how I could use their motivation and, or their drive to continue to motivate me to keep moving and not to look back, but to trust the message and the call of God on my life for his good, or let me say for his will. Let me say something else about looking back. Looking back can be really detrimental. I'm reading a book right now by Viola Davis. It's an autobiography of her life. And one of the things she talks about is how someone asked her who she was. And when she thought about it, she kept seeing this little girl who had been abused and just really, um, not someone that people would look up to. And, and here she was a grown woman. And so she had to understand that she was no longer that person. And I want us to look at how God, when we are changed by God, we are new creations. Old things really are past and behold, all things are new. And when God creates new things, the past does not have to hold or have a stranglehold on us. So one of the persons that's not so often preached or talked about is the prophet Amos. I don't want my podcast to ever sound like history lessons. However, it's really important that we understand backstories in order to fully appreciate some of the stories that aren't often preached on Sunday morning. To fully appreciate who Amos was, we have to look back at his life. He didn't come from a family of prophets and it wasn't his desire to be one. But he saw some things that bothered him. They troubled him. So he spoke out about it. So his motivation was when he saw people who were in need being taken advantage of. And so he decided decided to speak against them. And these individuals were profiting off the misery of others. Amos cared about the oppressed and he wanted those who were going against the will of God to be fully aware of what they were doing. And he wanted to let them know it wasn't godly. Basically, they forgot about God. And although he was ignored, he still was motivated by the message that God gave him. His motivation was for people, for doing right by people, for doing justice and to love mercy. And in the case of Amos, for some, it would be easy to ignore what's going on. Many of us will look at needy people and we'll just keep walking and think we might say a silent prayer. We'll say, oh, I hope they get better. But he couldn't ignore it. He couldn't ignore what was going on around him. He, we have to be compelled like Amos when it comes to motiv- motivation. Amos was driven by the needs of others and God compelled him to speak against those who would do any type of emotional or physical harm, especially to those who are in need. 
And another person I looked at who showed great desire, or I'll say motivation, because motivation is desire or a will to do something, was the persistent widow. That story was a parable that Jesus talked about in Luke 18. And we know parables are teaching, maybe not necessarily true stories, yet the stories are significant and have applicability to our lives. When Jesus told this parable, he shared it with his disciples. And he talks about this woman who had prayed. She prayed because she lost her husband. And in the society where she lived, frankly, it was patriarchal. Women weren't viewed favorably. She needed something to get her through. Her condition, her widowness, for lack of a better word, that's what motivated her to speak and, and, and to repeatedly seek justice. She, wa- she wanted justice but, justice, but how was she going to get it if she decided to sit or chose to sit on the sidelines? She may not have got what she wanted. Jesus doesn't say why she needs it. Again, I spoke about the patriarchal society and she was a widow. And usually if you don't have sons that help take care of you, maybe that was the situation. But the bottom line is she uh, literally was seeking um, something that she didn't have and she wouldn't give up until she got it. One could speculate that she needed it because she wasn't being heard. Maybe there was some other unfavorable situation that presented itself. And so she went to the place where justice was rented, was, was rendered, which was the courts before a judge. It wasn't the situation, which isn't named that got her what she wanted. It was her motivation, her act, what she did and refusing to let it go. And to the point, the judge was like, <laughs> quite frankly, frankly, he was sick of listening to her. And so he, he really didn't care about God or anything else. He just wanted her out of his face and out of his courtroom. Her motivation was justice. And it was her persistence that got her what she wanted, what she came for. Her need for justice is what motivated her to keep going back to that courthouse, to be going before that judge, to keep begging for what she needed. And she got it. Nathan, the prophet, was motivated to speak to King David. And he was motivated to speak truth to him. Now, he, Nathan was compelled by God, meaning God was pressuring him, moved him to talk to David. Most would run from an assignment, especially when going to someone who's over you. And, you know, <laughs> David was king. Nathan was a loyal prophet. And Nathan's loyalty was to God. And that is what compelled him or motivated him to even speak to David. And it wasn't Nathan that motivated David. For David, too, was motivated. His motivation came from the truth. Even in his sinfulness, David loved God. And he knew that the things he had done was against God. His motivation, David's motivation, was truth. Nathan's motivation was his love for God. And so when he heard the truth, when David heard the truth through the prophet Nathan, he repented. That's what motivated him. The truth of God's word, of his life, of what he had done. Then I looked at the book of Nehemiah. In that book, we hear about a man who had a cushy job. Who wouldn't want to sit around tasting the king's food and drinking his wine, make sure he wasn't being poisoned? It sounded like a pretty good gig to me. Um, (laughs) But Nehemiah had a heart for God's people. And he had heard what was going on in the city where his people lived. And it made him physically and spiritually distressed. He hears news about the walls of the city of the exiles were being broken down of the of his people and that the city was in ruins. Now, many would say I'm living in the castle. 
I'm eating the delicacies of the king, drinking his good wine. And now um, they're having problems. The walls are broke. I'm safe. I got a cushy bed. I'm living in a castle. The walls are good. I'm tight. He didn't say that. It broke his heart. First of all, why would someone willingly leave a job of tasting the king's food and drinking his wine to ensure the king wasn't being poisoned and go to a place that was open to ravaging by enemies? Nehemiah was motivated by love, by love and care for his people. And so he sought God because he was distressed for a few days, but he sought God to help him and to advocate for him to return to his people to help. And God answered him because think about it. He's going to the king all downcast. Now you're the one that's supposed to be making sure the king's stuff is okay. And you're walking around with your head down. That might've made the king's eyebrow raised, but no, God, Nehemiah was motivated by his people that were in distress and he prayed about it and God answered him. And when the king asked him why he was cat downcast or sullen, he told him. And it was Nehemiah's heart for his people that motivated him. But it was God's favor that allowed him the way and the means to do what he needed to be done. That makes me go back to Jeremiah 29, um, 11 through 13. I read to you earlier. It was that that motivation he had. It was God's favor for Nehemiah that allowed him the way and the means to do what he needed to be done. In other words, God was going to have those walls rebuilt, but Nehemiah's heart was motivated by knowing what the people were experiencing. So God could have plans to have restored it, but it was going to take people. He was going to have to do something. And Nehemiah did something. Nehemiah shows us that when you have the right motivation, you can go before kings and people of authority and accomplish great things. He was motivated by his love, but he went to God for help and he got the help that he needed. And then I took a look at Esther. As I look at the book of Esther, we often, and most preachers will tell you, we, there is no mention of God in this book, but God is quietly represented in the events that took place. You have a woman who is groomed and selected to be a queen, a regular Jewish girl, who I might add was said to be quite beautiful. She didn't know why she had been granted the favor she had been granted or selected as queen. But if you read the entire book, you see a girl who was placed in the king's house who would be used to save her people. In the beginning, you see no motivation from her to be placed in the gap for people that were going to be executed. However, a time comes when the lives of her people and herself are being threatened. Now, Esther is motivated by the threat of death, but also by her uncle who reminds her, you know, it, it, maybe it won't, maybe it is by you that we will be saved, but even if not, the, we will be saved. So not only to her people, but lest she forget, she too was Jewish. And what happened to them was going to happen to her and her brother, uh, her uncle had to remind her of that. And her motivation may have been self-preservation for her. Or maybe it was to help other people, her people. That is what led her to ask her people. And she too, they went and fasted and they prayed. It was a strategy that worked, motivated by fear. See, a lot of things, negative stuff can motivate you. Uh, it was a strategy that worked. It motivated her, motivated her, by, whether by fear, and she and her people were saved as a result of it. And who, when talking about motivation, could forget the Apostle Paul? Paul or Saul, before his conversion, was motivated by wanting to bring the right order of worship. But 
it was as he thought he was doing what was right that he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. That encounter was a motivator for Saul. It brought him, first of all, to his knees saying, you know, why, when Jesus asked him, why are you persecuting me? He says, who are you? It brought him to his knees, that, that encounter. It was a motivator. It was a place of clarity, a place of understanding. Paul had experienced stoning, imprisonment, shipwrecks, prison, and more. But why? Why? Because his encounter with Christ was so profound that he was motivated to ensure that the teachings of Christ not be distorted. And he was driven by Christ to share and preach and teach the truth. Motivation. Hmm. I had to ask myself, what motivates me? My first and immediate answer is Christ, but that encompasses so much more. When I look back, I see a girl who was broken and lost, looking to make sense out of an environment with no direction. And yet I heard about someone named Jesus. Hearing about him alone motivated me to want to know him. My initial motivation was to know and understand who he was. And it was going to take years before I would fully grasp him. And yet after all these years, and it's been well over 20 plus years, I still have only brushed the surface. My encounter with Christ led me to want to know more about him. Now, I said 20 plus years. I have to go back even further. Even as a child, I wanted to know Christ. I wanted to know the power of his resurrection. I wanted to know who he was. Who is this unseen God that people kept talking about and believed in? My encounter with Christ led me to want to know more about him. So I put myself in environments where I could learn exactly who he was, what he'd done, and how is he still relevant and present still today? That motivation led me first to the Bible. And the Bible was where all truth lies. Then I was led to people who rightly divided the word of God, teaching and preaching what I read and what I heard. And then I saw people who aligned with what I read. And then I started praying and developing a relationship with God personally. My motivation was simply, it was simple, I should say, but yet complex. I now know that Jesus meets us individually and collectively, but we have to be motivated to seek him and to listen to him. He doesn't think like I think. He doesn't think like you think. Yet he's able to change perspectives and align our thoughts with his will through the power of his Holy Spirit, which lives in us, which lives in me. My motivation my motivation is to tell others about Christ. These podcasts are my way of telling you of various encounters and situations where I have encountered Christ. And because of the profound effect that he has had on my life, I want others to know about him. I want to help people who have been marginalized or tossed aside, people who haven't been listened to, people who are hurting and feeling abandoned that, that they might know Christ to help them overcome adversity through, that's my whole mission statement, to help people overcome adversity through developing a relationship with him. That is what my ministry is all about. When you are motivated by God, you can't walk away, I'm telling you. His love is so profound and so compelling that you want what he wants. You desire what he desires. Paul says it so well in Philippians 3 and 10, and I'm going to say, this is going to be my mantra. I want to know Christ. Yes. 
to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. It is my motivation, my heart's desire, and hopefully the desire of anyone who truly desires to follow him. Amos was motivated by the people he saw in the hurting. The persistent widow was motivated because she needed justice. She wanted justice. Nathan was motivated by God to speak truth. And David was motivated by knowing the truth. And about and he too, he was motivated by knowing the truth and knowing God. And the truth pushed him to repent. It was truth that motivated him to become what God wanted him to be, to to ask for forgiveness and seek forgiveness. Nehemiah was motivated by love, the care and concern he had for his people. Esther was motivated by fear or the threat of death. And Paul's motivation, his encounter with Christ is what motivated him and it motivates many today. And for me, my motivation is to know and understand who he is because he's new every morning. It's the motivation that led me to know more about him. And I hope it leads you to know more about him. My motivation to tell others about Christ, to know him and the power of his resurrection. Until next time, brothers and sisters, blessed be his holy name. God bless you all. Be sure to see the sunrise, the S-O-N rise, to see Christ in your everyday situations. Be blessed.